Hello and welcome to Manga Explaining, the show where we recommend great manga to folks who haven't read much manga before. Hosted by Deb Aoki, David Brothers, myself, Christopher Woodrow Butcher, and Chip Zdarsky. Follow along with our show notes and reading list at mangasplaining.com. This week, I am hosting. Hi, I'm Christopher. And we are doing a book that, much like Tech on King Crete in season one, I was terrified to recommend and only picked out of the sheer desperation of being like, oh, we're picking books this week? Oh my God. It was sitting right next to me when I picked it. And it is Ping Pong by Tayo Matsumoto, a book which I have a attachment to that is borderline unhealthy. I love this book more than life itself. And I'm worried that everyone's going to hate it. Oh boy. It. <laughs> Here we go. Did Nausicaa scar you that much? Yeah, yeah. I talked about it with my therapist, actually, but it's fine. It's good. We're, I'm. We came to a healthy understanding about my relationship to manga that lets me keep working on the podcast, and that's <laughs> what's important. Makoto Smile Sukimoto and his friend Yutaka Pekko Hoshino have been playing table tennis since they were kids, but as they enter high school, they find that the game has changed, seeing potential in them that they don't fully see in themselves. The coach recruits them for the school team. Bringing out their best will mean challenging the top players from rival schools in the summer tournament including an ace Chinese exchange student who also almost made the Olympic team. With the pressure on, can Smile and Peko take the heat and make it into the finals? This is the description from the Viz website of Ping Pong Volume 1 is hilarious because it is like the shonen like, action description of this book. And <laughs> my description would be very different for this particular title, which I think is super fun. If I was going to put it in my own words, I'd say it's about two boys and their friendship. And Ping Pong is like, what is happening in my opinion but it is not what it is about and that is what makes it maybe really good but maybe that's what makes all sports manga really good and i would love to get some feedback on that from our crew i think this is our first is this is our first sports manga like our first official sports manga tragic maybe, but true maybe. yeah <laughs> wow season three episode three all right first official sports manga and we've chosen ping pong which frankly is a classic of the genre in japan so that's pretty good I want to start with David as our resident, I would say, sports manga expert oh, uh, on this week. Mm. I know you've had some hit and miss. We talked about it on the Tech on Concrete episode, some hit and miss with Matsumoto's mm. work. Had you read Ping Pong before this episode? No, this was my first time through the manga. I've watched, I'm pretty sure I watched the entire anime, but I couldn't have told you the mm. ending, you know? Like it's been a while. No, there's not really an ending. <laughs> but no, I enjoyed it. It's... I do think that reading both books back to back was a mistake on my part. I think I would have enjoyed it a little more if I'd read them separately because they feel very much mm. like they have such a natural break. I think that having time for it to digest a little bit would have been nice. But you oh, know, that's wild. It's the choices you make when you do a manga podcast. <laughs> but the sports manga ness of it, I like it because it's almost more about the competition than the sport. Like there's kind of competition is mm. always a part of sports manga, right? Because obviously sports are involved, but there's sports manga that explain the sport and then show people competing and then kind of confirms the explanation through the competition. And then there's this, which is just mm -hmm. all competition. Like I have no yeah. idea of any of the rules of ping pong if I just read this manga. Yeah. Even though I've, isn't that great? Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> and I played ping pong with several people who, you know, like worked on this manga as well. And I found it really captured how it feels to like really want something to have to get in the reps to make something happen. And I'll have more to say on like reps and stuff like that later, but pretty good. Like Matsumoto continues to draw like the best worst children and he's always choosing the best <laughs> angles to draw things from. Like it drives me nuts. Sometimes he's so good at this. Even like the chapter two, like the Peko with his shoes in the foreground, 
and it's like a gesture drawing, gestural drawing. Mm. Or maybe it isn't. Maybe it's just a shaky line. But yeah, it's a good time. Well, that's interesting. So I should mention that we're reading the brand new from Viz Ping Pong 2 volume edition that collects the original five volume edition from Japan into these two massive volumes. And it is fascinating that David says that it has such a natural break at the end of volume one, because that's actually smack dab in the middle of volume three. Mm. <laughs> like yeah. it's not at the beginning or end of a thing. And it's, I actually agree. I would have, if anything, I would have actually ended volume one, maybe a hundred pages later, the sequence where Smile has run off and is like run all the way from Kamakura to Tokyo. And he's like, where the hell am I? What am I doing? What yeah. is this <laughs> kind of a thing? Was like such an interesting moment for me in all the versions of ping pong that I've Wait, seen. Wait, were we supposed read. to read both volumes here? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Chip. So Chip, tell me what you thought of ping pong volumes one. I, I, I legit thought we were just supposed to read volume one. So I just read volume one. So I, okay. And I'm only, okay. All right. Here's my, Here's my issue with, uh, with with talking about volume two is that I don't want to spoil because I am going to read it because I love this book so much. <laughs> oh, that's nice. I, I love this that, bind that you put Chris in now. <laughs> <laughs> You've also put me in a problem because look how many flags I have in volume two, damn it. <laughs> okay, I mean, like, this, oh. is, this is on me. This is another chip blunder. And, like, yeah. feel free to talk volume two. But I, I loved it. I loved it. Like... It, I mean, I'm trying to think. It might be my favorite book we've had on the podcast. Hmm. Ah. Oh, you said that a couple episodes ago. I know, I know. And I it's know. like You're up in the game We're here. figuring it out. <laughs> yeah, there's 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 some competition obviously between a few titles, but but yeah, it's 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 stellar. Like I'm I'm grateful that it doesn't explain the sport to me. The only thing that uh, I seem to have gleaned from this is there's a chopper and there's an attacker. That's it. <laughs> they, they mentioned those words a lot, but I, I just found like maybe a partially it's because I, I don't have a lot of experience with like sports manga or shonen manga that I was, I was always pleasantly surprised with where the story was going, where it was twisting and stuff. Like, I don't, again, I don't know what happens in volume two, but, but the way they kind of like, played out the characters and kind of set them up as clearly going to be rivals in volume two and, and making smile like kind of like really step up but also like oh has he turned to the dark side as a result of all this yeah it's just amazing and, and even just like individual matches like they didn't necessarily go the way i thought they were going to go mm. up to and including just like when the teacher you know laid out his bet and just started playing him <laughs> I'm just like, well, this is, you know, where he gets humbled and the teacher like uh, beats him and then the kid, you know, be does the Rocky montage, but then the teacher collapses. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, oh, this is, this is a different kind of book. Yeah. Yeah. Just so many, just really interesting characters. I loved was it Kong, the, the Chinese player. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like just so intense. Like the, the introduction of him listening and being able to like mm. spot that somebody really excellent is playing, you know, a distance away. Like it was just so awesome. Mm -hmm. And then by the end of volume one, when he loses, he, he's drawn more peacefully. And mm. I'm just like, that's just such a lovely, uh, you know, he's not like steaming or whatever. It's like almost like there's like, okay, all right. Okay. What's mm -hmm. next? What's going on next? Like, mm. 
I, I loved almost every character in this book. Uh, amazing. And like, as soon as I finished reading it, I just started sending links of it to artists. Yeah. <laughs> because much like Tech on Kingcrete, I, I like this more than Tech on Kingcrete. Same. I, th- I think I said during that episode that, that Matsumoto is clearly somebody who just loves to draw. But here it's really, yeah. really evident because he's drawing the same things over and over again. And you can only do that if you really, really love to draw. He's making them look good. Yeah. Oh, no. A hundred percent. Like each time. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, there's the same settings over and over again, too. Like just drawing the rafters of the auditorium <laughs> over and over again. Like there's such a, a, a Zen quality to that. And, and to, to keep it as loose as he does while just being so precise. <laughs> like <laughs> it's, it's just it's such a weird it's a very rare talent for an artist to be able to draw something and make it just so gestural and loose, but everything is just instantly recognizable and feels whole. You know, it's, it's a huge, huge skill. They were talking about ugly drawings of kids or yeah. whatever, like, like, but they're all just so individual. Yeah. They're perfect. And, yeah. They're all, they're all perfect. Like you can, you can tell characters apart very, very easily, no matter how distorted he makes them. Which mm-hmm. just, just, hmm. And the action is just, yeah, unbelievable, too. Even the three characters that get names on the K.O. High, Neptune High School, that are all just yeah, bald, they're all bald. strong-looking <laughs> yeah. dudes. But they all look distinct. Mm. Like, Demon's got, you know, his glasses. Yeah. Kuma's got, like, or, sorry, what, what's his actual Demon. name? Sak- uh, Sakuma. Has, like, no eyebrows, yeah. even. Like, he's shaved everything out of, like, this, like, pure determination. And when they introduce the second, the guy in the second volume, we don't get, you don't get him yeah. yet. He gets to keep his eyebrows and he has just like a different facial structure. That's so strange, like that he's managed to do this like incredible caricature with the facial structure here. I actually remember back in the day, I wrote a whole thing on comics two and two when I was, when I was blogging just about the change that his work, his artwork went through between tech on King Crete and this. And then the thing right after this was number five Mm. and go, go monster, which is like, these are, enormously different books and it just really i think we always talk about people like annoy who's amazing takahiko annoy as being like just like the dude who can draw anything in any style and matsumoto i think can do his version of that which i think is so crazy mm-hmm. like he can do everything from this like round organic stuff to this hyper detailed stuff to these super loose gestural drawings like drawings that at certain points in this volume and the next volume devolve into like it looks like he's drawing it with like something thicker than a sharpie you know what i mean but he's still like using the the positive and negative space to outline these characters and their movements so clearly pretty cool. yeah more so here because he relies a lot less on gray tones than he did a tech on king Crete. yeah there's so little gray in this yeah i think is really yeah. good it's used to excellent effect in the second volume though oh speaking of which dad <laughs> you've got a lot of bookmarks in the second volume what did you what did you think of ping pong what did you think of the of the book I'm going to tell you, Chip, you're going to love volume two, because volume two is when the art gets really dynamic. He starts experimenting more with how he shows action. Okay. The character development really goes up another couple notches. Hmm. As you mentioned, things don't always unfold the way you think they're going to, which is fun. You know, like, you know, like, oh, normally, you know, in this type of story arc, the person would, you know, get serious and do training Da, 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 da. And then someone has this injury that is potentially career threatening. 
And then the way it ends, it's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't think it was going to go that way, but it still works. And so that's really satisfying as a comic book reader, right? Because you're thinking, you know, like you're, you're, it keeps you going on the ride. And yeah. mm-hmm. you're pleasantly surprised that even though it, it defies your expectations of how these types of events usually resolve, it's still very satisfying and makes it a fun read. And you want to go back over again, like, because there's a lot of things that get foreshadowed or a lot of story mm-hmm. beats that you see in the first episode, like, uh, like the, the constant bringing in of Tetsujin 28, like, you know, wearing the mask and I'm the hero. Things like, oh, the, it's the next, next station. Like he has kind of this poetic way of bringing in these things that the characters say and then, or things that they express and then they get repeated later on in the story to great effect. So, hmm. that it, you know, I mean, it's obviously this was a lot of work, right? A lot of months of drawing, a lot of months of story development. But when you read it as a whole, it feels, oh, it feels complete. It feels thoughtful and it feels like things got, you know, you can go back and reread it and get an even more satisfying experience with it. I mean, I love sports manga, period. And David is absolutely right. I still don't know the rules of ping pong from this. (laughs) 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 I I mean, I've seen, I've played ping pong and I kind of know it's kind of like tennis, like, you know, do this, do that. But, you know, the whole thing about the pips and the rubber and things like that. I mean, it it feels authentic because apparently According to the essay at the end of volume two, they got like a real ping pong expert to weigh in on stuff. Okay. I mean, it's just kind of, it's fun though. Yeah. Fun is the right word. And the designer of this book actually has won the Viz Media Ping Pong Tournament several years. (laughs) (laughs) It was like an office thing. (laughs) And, you know, Adam, he loves this book. I think he also designed A Drunken Dream, possibly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Adam Grano was was doing freelance and working for Fana and now is. Doing some excellent work. It's like the most appropriate like assignment for a person, you know, like right <laughs> up his alley. He was one of the biggest champions of, of this book at Viz, so I'm so happy he got to actually design it when it came out too. It looks mm-hmm. gorgeous. I've seen other editions of Ping Pong, the French one and the Japanese edition. And I gotta say, this is a very handsome edition. It captures all mm. it's, the texture of just capturing all these key moments of the of the story as texture rather than mm-hmm. just one big drawing. I think is really neat. It's it, this is a super manly manga though in a lot of ways, you know. <laughs> is it? <laughs> I think there, I've seen one one. I think other than the old lady, there's one girl. <laughs> yeah, I do. Okay, on that front, yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's fun though. Yeah, it feels almost like a martial arts manga to me in a way as well, mm. because of how they mm. approach ping pong, the different lessons the characters are, the different angles that they're approaching the sport from. You know, the, there's the guys who are like, oh, winning is everything. Do whatever you have to do to get the win. There are people who are like more fancy free, like just have fun. And then there are people who are naturally talented and they all kind of clash. Mm-hmm. And volume one doesn't really say whether one side is better than the other, but it does say that everything mm-hmm. has consequences. And like, maybe if you take it easy on your friend, your whole life, you'll stunt his growth and mess up your friendship is yeah. kind of yeah. cool. There's some really good stuff about on that tack that I'm now afraid to bring up. You know, you know what? Just, just, just bring it up. Don't, don't worry about spoiling it for me. This is, this try, is all I'll on try me. No spoilers at the very least, but I'll, I'll bring up this like theme and it's the idea that you expect this like super 
naturally gifted but doesn't work very hard versus guy who you know works very hard at it and loves it like you expect this clash and as the characters develop you realize that neither one of them is that person mm. and i think that that's what makes the book so rewarding on a story level because yeah the art is gorgeous the, the storytelling is some of the is frankly the best action storytelling i've ever seen i know that there's lots of different ways to look at action storytelling but i hold up ping pong as like show me how things move while static on a comics page mm-hmm. And like little things that we've already talked about, like the brake lights on the bikes in Akira, that's you're showing motion in a static image. Like that's insane, but it looks really good in animation too, right? Whereas this, I actually think this looks as good as the anime and the live action. I think that there's, he's doing something with power and movement in here that I don't think I've seen almost anyone else do, or at least not do as well. So yeah, if you're, if you're into comics for the comicsness of them, Ping pong is like a must, a must see. I, I think, think yeah. for that sports aspect. comics are definitely next door to violence comics too, in terms of storytelling, because it's yeah, basically absolutely. the same thing. I mean, it's human bodies in motion, in extreme motion, a lot of times. But the angles he gets on these on these bodies is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it feels like he he yeah. never repeats an angle or a, a perspective. Like I'm mm-hmm. looking at page mm-hmm. two hundred and nine. I've just flipped it open randomly. That angle of the teacher swacking the ball back and his hand is like reaching back that's a crazy angle <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah mm. when i interviewed Inoy at when he was in new york for the for the painting on the wall at kino kunya uh, bookstore i actually asked him i was like and this is the question I'm like so why do you when you're drawing manga why do you draw, change media so often why do you go from like a brush to a color page to like a big thick brush and a messy line to like why is it important to you to change media? And he's like, because I'd get bored otherwise. Like I do it because I want to be interested in what I'm drawing. Yeah. And Matsumoto is the same way. Like you can't look at this and go, yeah, he's got to draw someone <laughs> hitting a ping pong ball with a paddle, like probably 3000 times in this book, maybe 4,000 times. And every time it looks like he was super into the draw, yeah. which I think is yeah. like, even if he wasn't, that's a hell of a skill to make it look like you gave a shit about yeah. it. So I, I do want to go back to Deb's point of, because I know too much about this book. Yeah, he f- straight up owned that there's no ladies in this book, and he was afraid to write ladies for a long time <laughs> because he was like a punk kid who like wasn't married, had no girlfriends, was making manga from the time he basically like finished traveling around the world. Had like he's just like terrified of writing women and drawing women as well, super terrified. And so, which is something actually Chip has said about drawing women as well in the past, which is like a nice, you know, nice, nice little whatever. And it's interesting because they actually invented female character for this story when they turned it into anime in the anime adaptation. And it's someone who is like grown up alongside Kazuma. She's grown up alongside Kazuma and they've always had this like attraction to one another, but he always puts ping pong first. And she is like the daughter of his coach as well, which creates this like really weird energy between them. And it's a cool subplot to be added to the anime. I got to say, but yeah, it's something that, you once it's been added to the anime, you go back and look at the manga, and you're like, "Whoa, it's just Tamura! Like it's just the old granny in this book, and there's there's just no one else." And like, well, there's a girlfriend you know, at the end, right? Yeah, yeah, the girlfriend who gets made fun of in the second <laughs> book uh, for being like, "Why do you care so much about ping pong?" This is cr-. like all these boys are like crying and raging over ping pong, and she's like, what you, "Like we're at the beach, like let's just go look at some fish or something." Like this is cool. And they're just like, no, I've got to go cry about ping pong. Leave me alone. <laughs> it's actually a pretty good moment in the second volume. Yeah. Did you, here's, here's a, here's like an off the, off the cuff question. Did any of you find this book funny at points? Oh yeah. I didn't laugh out loud at any moment. 
I mean, not like I, I've read manga that makes me laugh out loud, like, hello, Dick Fight Island, which we'll get to, <laughs> by the way. But but I didn't really have this any laugh out loud moments. I did find some moments, you know, kind of like interesting and like there'd be moments like where he would draw instead of the dragon character, he would draw a scrawled dragon, for example, right? Mm, yeah. Or, you know, he would do something clever and I would think, oh, I like that. But nothing that made me go, oh, that's hilarious. I don't know about you. <laughs> there, there were a lot of Devilman shoutouts that surprised me. Oh, yeah. do tell. Like, like there's, I think someone hums the theme. There's like a Lady Devilman emblem on Demon's shirt on one scene. Really? Yeah. There's just wow. all these like little bits where I was like, oh, okay, I get it. There's the, all the graffiti was kind of funny, I think, especially the Mobius. <laughs> all the graffiti in the washroom. And it's yeah. just like my friend Mobius, but I didn't. It was funny, but I didn't really laugh. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Same here. Same here. The part that I thought was funny, maybe, was the part where he would. Oh, I think it was Pecco was saying, "Oh yeah, he's he's drinking condensed milk," mm. and then they say, "Like <laughs> you're going to get diabetes," and I'm like, and I thought to myself, "Who drinks condensed milk straight?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I gagged a little bit in my mouth at the thought. <laughs> Man. My first ping pong experience was actually through the live action film oh. that Viz released back in the day because the manga wasn't available and the manga just kept not getting <laughs> released. So I'd read Tech On and I was like, I heard about this, you know, like next thing I love Tech On, I want to go read, I want to go read ping pong. I can't read ping pong. So I watched the movie and ping pong, the movie has like real jokes in it. And I was actually shocked while rereading to see that all the jokes that are in ping pong, the film are actually in this book, but they made them funnier for the movie. I don't know what volume it's in, but there's a sequence where the girl, the, a girlfriend and boyfriend are arguing and the boyfriend's got to face Kong has got to face China. And the girlfriend's like, you can't just quit. He might, he got, he dropped out of the Ch China and he came here. Maybe he's bad. Maybe you can beat him. And he's like, yeah, you're right. Maybe I can beat him. Maybe I can do this. And yeah, he just gets smoked. Yeah. Like China just destroys him, which is really funny, but they actually like amp that up. That's like a four minute uh, maybe three minute sequence in the movie where it's instead of a boyfriend and girlfriend, it's a kid and his two parents and his two parents met through playing ping pong. And it's like, if you don't do this, you're never going to meet your true love. Like I met your mom. And they're like, you can beat him. And it's all the same dialogue after that, where it's like, he dropped out. Maybe he's not that good. And they really focus on this. And then they just like, they show the last shot where it bounces right off the square of his head and he loses. And it's just a hilarious laugh out loud, like gag <laughs> in the film. But it's totally, totally different than the kind of humor that's going on here, which is really like cool oh. and maybe a little even self-conscious. Mm. This is a pretty young book. That does remind me. Pretty young work. The Chip mentioned that he found it unpredictable, the way the matches and things played out. Yeah. But I think mm. because I've read so many of these that it did feel kind of predictable. Even mm. the setup for that joke where it's like, oh, maybe he's bad. I knew the next page <laughs> was going to be him yeah, yeah. like smoked in one panel. Yeah. And yeah. it's not predictable in a bad way like kong has i mean not kong tsukimoto smile has to lose his first match to like kind of put him in his place to see how he can grow from here mm. so it's sort of almost like i can see the tropes but they're like executed at such a high level in this book that it's like a greatest hits of sports manga in a lot of ways mm. Mm. it's definitely someone who's read sports manga well i was gonna i was gonna say like uh, how does the length of this compare to sports manga because this feels, again, having not read volume two, it feels like a story that was planned from the beginning. Like, uh, whereas I'd imagine most sports manga, I'm thinking about the boxing one, 
which mm-hmm. is how many volumes? <laughs> 130, but actually it's planned in like segments, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. chunk, of course. Like I'm sure it's not page to page, but like but 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 is it, it does sports manga tend to just go on kind of indefinitely like yeah, that? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of the infinite yeah. moneymaker format. Yeah. So does this feel like like a complete story that's kind of figured out from the beginning or this feels mm-hmm. like a sports manga with all of the boring parts cut out, but also a lot of the characterization parts that come in the boring parts, like the here's how to okay. play basketball. And then someone's like, Oh, here's how I mess it up in my unique characterized way. Yeah. So it feels almost <laughs> like a sports manga for people who know the sport. Okay. Like mm-hmm. we take for granted, like, you know, this is how it goes. This is how it plays like something like slam dunk, which is like sports manga gold standard, I think. Yeah, it's basketball. It it helps popularize basketball in Japan. It was that popular, wow. but it's very yeah. foundational. It's like here's how a rebound works. Here's what a chess pass is like. Right, right. But it still has the highs and lows of ping pong. Some I would actually argue are kind of pretty similar in a way. And I think it's because mm. both artists, like halfway through Slam Dunk, like volume eleven or twelve, I think it's when the art changes and it gets really good from there because he starts drawing what he mm. wants to draw, sort of like what Christopher was saying about Matsumoto. Hmm. I think Inoue is so interesting too because he's in Shonen Jump at a time there's more of a house style than there is now mm-hmm. like there's I mean obviously you've got to have stuff that looks commercial in a way but you can put Sakamoto days next to literally anything that's in Shonen Jump right now and it doesn't look the same and there's always been outliers but like at that time I feel like the early slam dunk stuff was appearing alongside you know Fist of the North Star even early Toriyama stuff and you can kind of see how they're all influencing each mm-hmm. other and then, yeah, when Inoue breaks out and does his own thing, it's pretty great. And it's worth noting that Ping Pong ran in a Seinen magazine, so it was always intended okay. for older readers. And that's what makes it also so bizarre, is that like he's got, <laughs> he's got these kids again, and that's like not what is in Seinen magazine. Like, usually they're in like older high school. They're not like 13 or 14-year-olds in their first year of high school. That's not what is popular in Seinen generally. They're basically shonen protagonists in this Seinen world of like complex emotions and absentee parents it feels like a springtime of youth story still like looking back oh it is oh like those years in high school when i was the best at ping pong were the best of my life you know that kind of a thing yeah Yeah. and the way that they talk about sports right the way they talk about competitive about being competitive or like trying to reach your your heights it's not a matter of like i'm trying to win because i want to be the best in the world i'm trying to win because you know, I just want to reach a certain goal. They start talking about things like, uh, about things that are a little deeper emotionally about mm-hmm. what it means to compete and win and why you do what you do. Like a, that's particularly p- profound at towards the end of volume two, but it doesn't feel like mm. how, you know, like in Haikyuu, for example, the volleyball manga or even Slam Dunk, they don't really get that deep into this meaning of life through sports no. <laughs> thing. <laughs> it's just like, win! Just get to the inter high, you know. Yeah. Maybe I'll get to the Olympics, you know. And then it and it's not about your mental game so much. I mean, not, mm-hmm. of course, there's always a mental game in sports, you know, like putting yourself in that mindset of winning. But this is like putting yourself in the mindset of winning. And what does it mean after you win? Oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> what is all, what is life all about? What happens <laughs> when I can't play anymore? Oh my God! Yes. <laughs> That one, I don't, I don't remember. If, I think Debbie recommended that one to me a long mm. time ago, but it's a MMA like fighting manga, essentially. And it has a lot of the same vibes as this, but it has all the explanations as well, mm. including a guy who's like, mm. look, like I've got a kid. I'm pushing 40. I don't think I can do this for very long. 
but I do want to have one last really good match, you know, and that yeah, sense yeah. of sportsmanship, I guess, camaraderie is like throughout this book. It's really cool. And I, it really like kind of tests your definition of like competitiveness in a way, or it did for me because smile is very much like a Michael Jordan type where like anything to win, like the sport is the goal. I'm the most important one on the court. And the other mm. players play so differently and it's, they're all unique. Like Kong plays his way where it's like overwhelming power, but he's trying to get back to being on top after, you know, possibly washing out. It's, I know it, there's so many cool sports stories in here that it's kind of irresistible for me. <laughs> Do you want more? Would you have wanted? No, more? definitely not. Like, yeah, you read all five albums and you're like, it comes to a satisfying end and I don't need any more on it. Yeah. Others. An ending is always like, it'd be cool to see more. And I, if he'd made more, I wouldn't be mad about it, but I feel like, the story ends, even volume one ends in, in a way where I'm like, oh, okay, this is like going somewhere intentional where it doesn't need, you know, pass mm-hmm. what they have planned necessarily. I. Hmm. So there's an interesting interview. So I'm going to write an article about ping pong because I'm not going to put all of my ridiculous anecdotes and monologues into this episode. <laughs> so I'm going to write an article about ping pong. It should go up around the time of the episode. but. There's a point, I'm going to find this interview, but Matt Matsumoto's interview, and he said that basically around the end of volume three, he had actually lost track of the story. Mm. So volume three is like about 100 pages into the the beginning of volume two here, end of volume three, and he was just like, he was writing the story that he was supposed to write based on the outline that he had put together, but he got to a point where it didn't seem to make sense anymore. Like, okay, so they're going to have their Rocky moment, they're going to have their training montage, they're going to have their whatever. And I think that you can sort of see the characters' motivations change a little bit at the beginning of volume four. Not like, oh, I figured out the story and now I'm going to move everything, but just like what was behind what I was trying to say. And I think it comes a lot from, uh, we'll get to it eventually, <laughs> listeners, but Matsumoto is pretty open about having grown up in an orphanage and his parents, his, his mom having left him and feeling alone and isolated and whatever. So there's a lot of his own story in, in Smile Story, for sure in terms of like having a buddy that protected him. That's that's basically a scene that straight up mirrors the flashbacks we see of Tetsuo and Kaneda mm-hmm. in Akira as well. The like two kids that are little kids and one sticks up for the other, the Kaneda-Tetsuo situation. I, I do want to say that like there's, there's something in volume four and where we get more on both why Smile is doing it and why Pekko is doing it that I thought was really resonant. And... I kind of just want to leave it there because I don't want to like be super spoilery about it. But did either of you feel like at any moment he had decided, oh, this isn't more the way I want the story to go anymore and I want it to go a different way? Or did it feel natural from beginning to end? You want to go first, Deb? Mm, I didn't get a, I didn't notice, that wasn't noticeable to me. I mean, it mm. felt like things kind of went the way, it didn't feel disruptive. Let's put it that way. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. David, how about you? I, as soon as Chris said aimless, I knew the scene he was going to bring up, which is where Smile makes a decision, let's say. And I think the way Mm. that he executed that moment where he's kind of shifting it back on track slowly but surely, it fits in terms of the story because the character has to decide what to do anyway. Like this is, he's faced with a choice that would be, you know, a realistic one like this. He, He could have seen this coming. So I think the first 100 pages of a 500-page book is a good place to get lost, you know, if you've set a good <laughs> foundation for volume one. 
because he absolutely yeah. gets right back on the right track. Like, I don't know, 12 pages after that scene. It's like yeah. the next chapter. It's really cool. It's interesting because the film too, because I, when I read this, there was the extra scene where you get with demon comes back and has the conversation with Pecco, but the turning point for smile in the movie is when he jumps off of the bridge and sees it in, in the second one and, and ends up in the mm-hmm. river. And then you don't get that next scene with him on the beach and everything like that. No spoilers, but spoilers. And if you don't say spoilers, I think it's so like important. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> yeah sure, Leap all that out. But the next scene where he's on the beach and the conversation he has with demon, I think are the, are this like insane turning point that like, and moment in the story that felt to me like, Oh, that's what he's trying to say. Like that's where he was as a creator. And this is where he had to bring back this one character to like slap some sense and to smile a little bit and like set things right. And I think that that's, it's not a joyous moment, like the jumping off the bridge to feel free and I can fly. It's, it's very much a get your shit together moment, which is like not, I don't think of a sports monitor. Like I don't think of like, the get your shit together, like I'm not, I'm done saving you moment as a sports manga trope, but maybe I'm wrong. I haven't read nearly as much sports manga as you. I feel like it always hits when like the, the hero character, you know, the star of the team gets too full of himself. Like you have to bring him down to earth, his childhood friend who's somehow better at the sport, the coach, something like that. I think maybe not exactly like it is in this, but I think those types of scenes are pretty common or at least recognizable, you know, enough to be familiar. I mean, not always, not always played out in that way. Yeah, but I think there's always the, like the the smile thing, right? Where smile is, starts off as being a reluctant player, like or he's willing to be in mm. in Peko's shadow, right? Mm-hmm. And then he kind of like you know goes on this training routine with the coach, where he actually starts coming into his own, like becoming a get a will to compete and win, but he's still very robotic, right? Not very emotional, and so all the other players kind of fear him and like don't like don't quite understand him because he's not emotional he just seems to be like like a playing machine and that's so different than who he was at the beginning of the story right where he was you know just kind of emotionless but he he felt a deep friendship with peko and then peko too kind of transforms too right because peko almost reminds me of like in in tech on concrete where there's one character kind of just (laughs) randomly says shit like uh, you know, randomly says, "Hey, you know, I like this caramel, or I like this chocolate," and you think, "Is he okay?" Has, oh, white. Has yeah. he had too much chocolate? Or <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then like at, in volume two, it's like when he starts really, you know, getting back into training. You go, "Oh, he's not as he's not as off kilter as you think." Well, now there was white. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of weird to me because then I started to feel like, oh, "Okay, this is like tech on concrete," but with ping pong balls. Mm. Yeah, it is a little bit. <laughs> yeah. More than a little bit, actually. Mong explaining favorite, there's a cool, badass granny in, or in this story. How did she measure up for you guys, Chip? Did you like the cool, Tamara, the, the cool, badass granny that runs the ping pong? As the place? only female in this manga, yes. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, like, yeah. Definitely a lovable, badass granny. She gets even more screen time in volume two. Oh, okay. Don't worry. Yeah, I like she, that she's she comes always back smoking. and she has a yeah. few choice words for Butterfly Joe there. Yeah, <laughs> but both true. the coaches are different, like types of coaches that you would see. You know, mm. like, yeah. If you remember in not my so-called life, blank canvas. Yeah, <laughs> the coach out in or the 
artist teacher out in the boonies with the stick. Yeah. She's totally just that for this. Like a little Absolutely. bit off the beaten path, but like the kind of expert where you don't see it coming. But her and her and Butterfly Joe. She expresses her love for Petco. But Butterfly mm-hmm. Joe seems to be more into like, I want you to win. I want to make mm-hmm. a great athlete. Whereas mm-hmm. the, the old lady kind of is like, I love you, you know, like I want you to be better. Yeah. And the, the, where, where they're coming from is slightly different places. Like the Butterfly Joe want, wants the guy to win to fulfill his own lost dreams, but also to build his own ego. I'm going to be a great coach because I have this great player. Whereas the granny is kind of more like, I just want you guys to do your best and be, be good people, right? Be happy. Yeah. And it, there's, yeah. there's a slight difference. Yeah, for sure. But they're both funny and interesting is more what I'm saying. Like, Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, I love Butterfly Joe. Like, yeah. I, I thought he was an amazing character. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. I think a, a lot of the humor in this actually comes from those two figures. Mm. And a lot of the wisdom, sort of too, wild. I think. Kind of by default, I guess. Yeah. I have, to, I have to send you guys pictures of my uncles on my mom's side, because... They look like my uncles. He looks like my uncles. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, it's Uncle Tom. Put it in the show notes. <laughs> Perfect. I love the story yeah. for Demon where his dad just messed up his eyes and now they're just bad forever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah like, that's so good. That's what I think I, I found this quite funny. I, there are a mm. lot of parts. And like I think... I could see, not having obviously seen the anime, how you could pull those things out and make them funnier. But I think there was a lot yeah. of like real subtle bits in here. Like, you know, even when we were talking earlier about, like you're saying, how the scene with the smile beating that guy got really yeah. amped up in the anime. Like, I found it super funny in this. Like, like yeah. just because like the choice to have it all, that guy who's like a nobody character comes in, and all of a sudden it's his narration. Yeah. Like yeah. just the just the <laughs> choice to switch over and be like, all right, now we're just gonna be in this guy's head for this whole thing. And he starts off like, oh, first year gonna kick his ass and stuff. You know, I got I got something to prove here for sure. You know, maybe I haven't been the best, but uh, you know, I've uh, I put in the time, haven't I? And by the end, he's like, maybe I'll go to the beach. Not a bad idea. <laughs> Start summer break early. Like, <laughs> like it's so funny. Yeah, I, yeah. I probably I probably laugh more than than you guys. But yeah, maybe I'm an easy, uh, an easy touch for that. What was your favorite drawing in the book? Out of curiosity, <sighs> did you have one? You know what? Like all the action was so good. Uh, like I, I ended up taking screen grabs of a couple things that just like stood out. Mm-hmm. Maybe because they weren't action. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Well, let's see here. On page two forty. The bottom drawing of the kid's face. <laughs> it's so cool. good. Oh, yeah. It's so good. <laughs> That's what I mean because like the best worst kids that I said earlier, because yeah. I'm so used to like Marvel comics, for instance, which are on model almost all the time. And kids are kind of yeah. perfectly angelic. And he draws kids with so many lines. Yeah. And, like the little the bruise on his head from the headbutt. Oh it's yeah. Great. Look it's how big so- his ears are. <laughs> It's so great. It's so great. Like, yeah, the the distortion yeah. while still making it recognizable is amazing. And also just the fact that like 180 and 181, they both feature empty classroom drawings. You, he did not need to draw that classroom again. 
Like just at, a, at two, two different angles. angles. <laughs> at two different at two different angles. Like it's not for the story. It wasn't ne- necessary, but it's what he needed to do, so he did it. I'm just like I can't imagine making that choice. Like you know, on a page, I'm just like okay, if I can get a background in on this page great mm-hmm. i'm not going to do the same background from a different angle especially when it's empty on the next page like i'm just not going to do it <laughs> like I'm, I'm just fascinated by that like i look at drawings which are just purely environmental and i'm just like man yeah. like that's just so good it's the scene so transitions good. in this part are amazing too like they're almost thematic transitions you know like it switches yeah. from like i want to go if i go outside again and the scary face right to like <laughs> butterfly joe winning again <laughs> yeah the, the whole scene of of smile you know quote-unquote beating butterfly joe yeah it takes butterfly joe like three pages if i recall to hit the floor and like but it, but it, but it cuts between that and just like really interesting angles to like like uh, the childhood scenes and it's just like it becomes very clear over those three pages that this is the turning point like it's so important yeah. this moment. This is where smile mm. changes for better or worse. It's just it's so well drawn and so well planned out and, and laid out. Yeah, it's yeah. really amazing. Butterfly Joe, especially in that scene, reminded me of a character from the video game Sekiro. His name's Ishin Ashine. Basically he's like eighty years old, an incredible swordsman, and he's the one of the bosses of the game, let's say. Okay. And as you fight him, and he's incredibly tough, like he praises you as you like take his life down because he introduces more and more attacks as you fight better and better. So when he's mm. like, ha ha ha, that's good, Mr. Uh, Tsukimoto, outstanding, very good. I'm like, this. I've seen this guy, but with a sword before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's such a good trope because it's for the love of the game. Like you get caught up in the moment, you get caught up in, you know, the exchange. And it's just you and your opponent. And that's all yeah. that matters in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Page 193, okay. right? Get pumped, smile, because guts make the man. <laughs> yeah. I love that, too, because guts is my my motto, I guess. Like, guts. reps. Fighting. If you can do reps, you can do anything. Mm. And guts are what it takes to do reps. So this was very affirming, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. The art thing that I like the most is where in the same sequence he'll go from something that is so gestural and loose to almost like not be like bordering on non-representational uh, not not non-representational what do I want to say not abstract but like impressionistic let's mm. say like so loose so gestural it's impressionistic to you know two or three panels later he'll have something that is almost photorealistic that looks like it's a photo trace this really happens a lot in the second volume in Dragon's Fight with Pecco. When he wants to show like the absolute despair after losing a point on Pecco's face before he sort of finds his place, he'll do like a photorealistic like drawing of him with like looking up at the sky and like sweat beating down. But then in the next instance, like <laughs> Demon like Demon will be hitting the ball so hard his arm turns into an arc. Yes. Like he ah. stops having an arm and just mm-hmm. has like an arc. Yeah. And it's like that is still representational but it is no longer <laughs> representation of humans yeah there's some real crazy shit happening with art that i had just like never seen before in this book and the way he moves from from realism to hyper realism to like almost abstraction is like the art thing that i like the most although there's a lot of really beautiful really beautiful single drawings 
yeah. page 390, 391, that spread is kind of exactly what you mean. It was going to be my choice for favorite moment because it looks like every panel was drawn by someone else, like a different person. <laughs> and they're all good. There's even like a, a Daniel Zezel who used to do a bunch of Vertigo comics. There's one oh, of those yeah. down there. And they're all exceptional. Like the the tension on the lower right of page 390 and then the release at the upper left of 391. There's just so many different things he's doing on the page that like he's implying a lot and it's almost such a clear implication that he's just telling you what's happening, you know? Yeah. It'd be amazing. I would love to see the Japanese version of this just to see what the sound effects look like. Because mm. they're all localized in the Viz version, but if you look at like page 202 on volume one, like there's three different representations of the word plap and talk. <laughs> Like, yeah, <laughs> like one is talk with like a giant T with little okay in the middle. Like, okay, that's smart. I've never seen that before. And I was like, what, what did this look like in Japanese? It must have been crazy. So shout out to you, localizer letterer, because you had you put some work into this one. Yeah, yeah there's kidding. a tremendous amount of work on this. Oh, Darren uh, Bennett. He works with um, PC Comics and World Design, I think. Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah, I want to say he lettered a run of Batgirl that had like the when they had different languages, they used different colored balloons and like a little indicator on the bottom. It's kind of cool looking. There's a lot of thoughtfulness. Here. Oh, the language thing. The language thing reminds me. I I don't know if this is a thing in in manga, but like when Chinese is being spoken, just doing the double outline balloons. Is mm. that is that something that's done elsewhere, or is that just for this? I think that's Matsumoto. No, that's not in the original. Oh, it's really? Not in the original at all? Okay. Yeah. It's it's really really smart. Like I think it's a much better way than you know in like Marvel DC comics where they just have the angle brackets. The angle brackets, yeah, which just yeah, just never never looks right. But like, but the uh, the, the the that double line. Like the Japanese painter pastel, by the way. <laughs> he just did it all in pastels for fun. Uh, sorry, but yeah, the double line is so good. This was something actually Jason Shiga asked on Twitter the other day. Like, how mm-hmm. do you represent different languages? And I was oh. like, oh, you should you should oh. look at manga and see how it's done. Because I've seen it with different fonts, like serif, sans serif, square balloons, okay. circle, yeah, rounded balloons. But this double line, I think it's quite clever. Yeah, yeah, I really like it. Actually, I lied, but sort of. Oh. Some of it is double lined. Sort of. Some of it is double lined. Here, I'll move them with my camera. We'll put some scans in the show notes. Oh. See that like some of it is actually double lined and it does use the original, but some of it isn't. Hmm. And it's, I think when the characters, I think they kept it consistent in this. Maybe I'll have to do a, a page. What page is that? Out of curiosity, that you showed us is page one forty two, one forty three of volume one. Okay, go to there now. You know they're pretty consistent, I think. But those balloons are like in transliterated Chinese versus being translated into japanese oh no i'm sorry it's page yeah. 146 147 and the new edition the one we're reading mm-hmm. yeah it is so yeah it is consistent because someone else is yeah, talking while watching kong play yeah hmm. i would say the worst way to indicate another language is to put a little box that says translated from spanish that's <laughs> such a jarring <laughs> thing it was in all the comics i read as a kid and it never works for me like I can probably guess that it's a foreign language or like yeah. another language. Yeah. Hmm. We're actually just hitting that problem with something where 
we were going it's going back and forth between japanese and someone speaking in english as an american to a japanese person and you're not quite sure and so yeah that is like the clumsiest clumsiest way to do it is to put translated from the american so we're trying to avoid doing that yeah, no just yeah. use comic sans everyone will get it like instantly <laughs> <laughs> oh comic sans the language of english that's actually pretty fun that's, like yeah that. i'm having such a problem with it doing the batman bruce wayne miniseries at dc yeah because every issue he's in a different country i don't want everyone just speaking english because mm-hmm. that's weird i want to show that bruce wayne knows these languages so it's just those like those pointy brackets are just all throughout and i hate it i hate i hate typing it and oh. i hate seeing the lettering but yeah that's just how it's done I, like that's the um, style velvet i think oh. velvet with brubaker and epting they just did italics and that kind of worked out maybe i yeah. thought it's in a different font yeah i like that but you can kind of get away with stuff like that on creator-owned books because like the language isn't established already yeah you can do whatever you want mm. on creator-owned book it's great yeah <laughs> That's the joy of creator ownership, people. Yeah. Yeah. But to finish up the sound effects talk, shout out. This is has one of the best sound effects, some of the best sound effects in comics and, and most sound effects in comics. And Letterer did an amazing job on the sound effects, like matching. We'll do some side by sides of both so you could see, but they really matched what Matsumoto as an artist was going for in like every every panel that they did it. And it's tough too, because English does not necessarily translate from Japanese in terms of word shape and letter shape a lot of the time mm-hmm. and they still did a great job so. sorry i'm just i'm just flipping through looking at the lettering but i just hit the page where the one guy's asking where'd you get a manga style lollipop like that anyway oh. <laughs> which is also yes, a great joke that's a good one <laughs> all right it is funnier than i remembered but i yeah. read it all in one shot so i forgot all the jokes and that's the risk chris of assigning a thousand the... pages at once damn it yeah i i the ending is so satisfying though i wanted to like make sure we hit the we Mm. hit the ending because i wanted that like catharsis that comes with like how lovely the ending is like i'm really glad chip you enjoyed it without reading the end i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna read it this week before i dive into dick fight island so uh, at the beginning of next episode i can just give you like my five minutes hey i read it we can oh, patch it into this one. Break. <laughs> patch it at the end. Yeah. Patch it at the end. <laughs> right after the credits. No, it's it's so yeah. The up ending I find just so uplifting and so cathartic. Spoilers. That I was actually smiling. I actually said like yeah out loud while I was reading the <laughs> ending. I was like I'd forgotten how much I liked it. So that was it's so funny because like for this the most cathartic thing for me was when they flash forward and and Pecco is a gamer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Long hair. <laughs> just mastering video games i'm like that for me that was cathartic yeah get out First of that pro gamer yeah yeah <laughs> that'd be amazing has that ever happened where a sports manga changes like halfway through and becomes about something else like that would have been amazing if ping pong all of a sudden it. became about like the video game ping pong <laughs> <laughs> i'd say there's a certain point it's in just... kuroko's basketball where it becomes less about basketball and more about giving the cute guys screen time <laughs> two of kuroko's <laughs> basketball. <laughs> I'm just going to say this as an uninformed female reader that I can't imagine a oh, ping pong di- BLD Jinshi. <laughs> it would just what? be so weird. Not with any of these dudes. No. It's too... It's Come on, they're so gay for each other. But I don't think in a doujinshi way. <laughs> Are you kidding? Like a, a book about just smacking around balls and you don't think you can turn that into <laughs> some sort of BL? <laughs> Uh, save it for Dick Fight Island, kids, all right? We're going to do this next it week. Can, it can be uh, done. I have a BL Dojinshi of a Pepsi and a Coke can doing it. 
So yeah, like <laughs> anything, any, anything is possible. <laughs> <laughs> on that note any final thoughts before we go to the break i think pepsi's the top i'm just gonna say it. wow <laughs> wow i see it i can intuit the yeah. logic behind that <laughs> i really can christopher i have a question that will tie into my final thought does yeah, matsumoto use photo reference do you know generally no but i think he did for this book i would yeah. say i could <laughs> i should ask him at some point but i'm 99 yeah. sure that this book has photo reference used in it especially in the uh, second volume start to see a little bit more of it when we were hanging out one time he was taking photos of where we were because he wanted to use the scenes as backdrops nice for things that he's drawing so i think that he does use like photo reference like especially when you look at like oh. he'll draw tokyo in the sequence in volume two where, where smile ends up in tokyo he draws like shibuya and he draws like different parts of tokyo that look really good and they are referenced but they're clearly not like photo traces yeah like a lot of backgrounds are but i think that there is stuff in volume two on some of the characters that is more directly photo traced for sure or photo referenced down to a trace and and i'm curious about it i I should ask him about it i wonder if he even remembers this is like 20 years old on page 401 in volume two there's a crowd shot and it's clearly like cartoon like they look they don't look you know like realistic but there's like one guy in the lower left giving the camera a side eye and I was like, oh, he must have drawn this from reference because who would think to include that kind of a detail in the shot? Pretty funny. I gotta see this. It is pretty, pretty funny. funny. Page 402, you said? 401. And it's facing a page that's like super realistic, very rendered. And it's just like a crowd of normal faces. Okay. Yeah. I'll, t- I'll email the page. Oh, I see the side I got. On the part left. Yeah. That's great. David, you're a master. Yeah, yeah, That's and I love this photo. stuff. Like, it's such a well-drawn book that even like spotting the seams just makes me like it more. Yeah, because he mm. clearly made whatever the reference to this was in, like completely his thing. Yeah, and then the next page is a common writer pose. Good grief! So good, so good. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. good. That's we my final thought. He's wearing the Tetsujin, but he's also got the common writer belt on in the, all the flashbacks of him as a kid too, which I think is great. But yeah, that common writer pose is just like cannot believe I. Yeah, didn't didn't include that in the exhibition that I did of this artwork because <laughs> it's so good, so good. I did include the next three pages though because they're the fight with the, like the rubber arms and stuff is is there mm-hmm. really good. Yeah, there's definitely photo referencing here. But what? Do, how did that tie into your final thought? Oh, or is it was the, your final thought that dude? No, just <laughs> like seeing show. the seams makes it even cooler. It's like oh, okay, he, he really right. really drew this manga. You know, I think he. I think I agree with you on that one. Deb, do you have any final thoughts you want to share with the group? The group, the group, group, crew, crew. Oh my god! Jeez. I'm leaving that in, Chris. Well, I try I'm take two. Really you know what? I'm jet lagged. I'm just gonna own it. I'm just gonna. I'm it. the one with a numb face, though. Yeah. Like I, I was at the dentist earlier today. <laughs> Wait a minute! I just came off the plane, so I should be jet lagged. Yeah. But whatever. Anyways, no, anyways, Dreb, Dleb, Dleb, Deb, whatever. Well, I mean, first of all, it's like I love sports manga. I generally don't like watching sports, but I love sports mm. manga. <laughs> so this was a delight to read. I really en- I enjoyed it. I actually, and you're going to hate me for this, but I enjoyed this a lot more than Tekon Kipkrit. Mm. Just because the story arc to me was so satisfying. And I feel mm. like I could read this again. Now that I've read it all the way through once. I could go back and reread it and see new nuances and enjoy it even more. Like even just sitting here listening to everybody share their impressions and like, oh, I didn't notice that the first time. Or like, oh, that's a good point, you know? Mm -hmm. So for me, a good manga is something that 
okay, so my, my grading scale of manga is I can't get through the first chapter. It sucks, right? Mm-hmm. I, I can't get through the first volume. It's better, but eh. but it's like if I can read it all the way through and want to read it and reread it over and over again, that's a good manga. So yeah, ping pong wins on that front. I like it. That's awesome. That's a good manga. <laughs> Chipper, any final thoughts you want to share? It's a, it's amazing, and I, I feel really stupid that I didn't read volume two. <laughs> <laughs> no i don't feel bad we we did kind of make a whole thing about how you were supposed to read volume two yeah well okay. you know my brain isn't what it was pre-pandemic don't feel too bad i edited the wrong podcast episode <laughs> <laughs> we're all a shambles right now we're having a having a week yeah i mean it, it's amazing and i think it's it's I, I think it's going to stand up to a lot of rereads this is probably one I'm going to actually pick up in physical format when I get back to Toronto, just to have nice. it and and to make it easy to kind of pass around to people as well, because I think I think yeah I know I know David mentioned earlier just the fact that like because it's shorter than most sports manga that you know maybe it doesn't have the characterization in those quiet moments that are missing from this, but I think there's so much like weird little characterization in like mm-hmm. in within each panel. That I think on reread, I'm going to discover more about these characters. So yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. amazing. It's amazing storytelling, and I'm I'm curious. Uh, like now that we've read two of his projects, like what did he follow this up with, or has he? He did. So in the to, for my final thought, Deb's right. This is in every way a better work than Tech on Concrete. Yeah. Um, and what what appeals to about Tech on Concrete to me is like what a revelation it was when it was released and how much energy it has and how like cool it is. But yeah, he just kept getting better. Although there are some people who think that, you know, ping pong was the best thing he did and everything that he did afterwards was like, not was like lesser in some way. I think there's a lot to be argued there. After this, he did number five. I think he went right into number five, which is coming out now from Viz. I think the fourth volume is due anytime now. And it is a superhero epic. And what it's a superhero epic that is it's a superhero epic in the way that this is a ping pong manga like it's not yeah but it's about the idea it's a japanese superhero epic and it's about the idea that like what if someone becomes and this was revolutionary in 2004 what if someone becomes so famous that they develop a cult-like following and nothing bad can happen to them because everything that they want just sort of ends up happening because everyone sort of wants it to be that way for them and what if one person sees through it and goes rogue and decides they want to sort of not live in that sort of utopian superhero space anymore and the person who is the head of everything sends everything in the universe to try and destroy that person for wanting to be outside of the system and everyone is a japanese superhero that's numbered from one to eight in different colored costumes each representing a different sort of region of the world he's like what if someone who was as famous as Michael Jackson had all of the power in the world was how he described it when he launched it. <laughs> this is again, a differently loaded sentence in 2021, 2022, sorry, than it was when he said it. But it's just like, what if someone had that much charisma, that much power and could just direct like killing missions and like whatever. And these people wanted to escape. And so he's using, he's doing action comics and he's doing like political intrigue. And it's, 
Mm. It's kind of a beautiful mess. Like, I got to be honest, like, I actually love number five, but it is crazy. It does not hold together as a narrative, but it holds together. Oh, what do I want to say? Here's I'll go music. It's it's like the melody is really good. It's consistent throughout. But as a song, it's unlistenable sometimes. Like, it's just (laughs) like the melody stays like and the what he's trying to say is consistent. But as comics. Anyway, uh, number five is one of the most interesting comics that's in English, and it is also objectively not great, but is really, really good. I would totally, or maybe the other way. Uh, Anyway, he did that. Then he did a done-in-one psychological drama about the kid who can see monsters as his school, but or can he? Is he just crazy? Called Go-Go Monster. And then after that, he did his semi-autobiography about growing up in an orphanage, which is called Sunny and is just the saddest thing on earth. It's just so sad. It will like, I have actually avoided giving it to you because none of us need to read the end of volume (laughs) one. It's just too much for me right now. But then since then, he's been working on a bunch of other stuff. I did Cats of the Louvre, which is out now from Viz as well, which is actually really good and totally a different style of book. And he's working on right now Tokyo Higuro, which is the one that in Big Comic Spirit special, which we did the like one chapter of. That was like the, the preview edition, I guess, MSX. He's done a couple of historical fictions that haven't been translated in English, a couple of short story collections, a couple of art books. I've got a whole shrine to him. So right he's here. done some stuff. That's what you're telling me. These three shelves, oh, where are we? These three shelves are all Tayo Matsumoto's books. Jeez. So I've got them all, including the action figures. You can see black and white hanging out on my shelf up there. Yeah, I am biased. I can't believe I, I I can't believe I was naive enough to say to Chris what else has, uh, has Matsumoto done. <laughs> yeah, you can cut all this out. I'm going to put it in the show. <laughs> the short answer is he's been working pretty consistently, and his yeah. work has changed a lot since this. Number five was his last maybe big action comic, and everything since then has been a lot more introspective, where he's dealing with the same themes, but he's dealing with them in a very art comics he's a 50 year old dude now he's not drawing he doesn't want to draw the same stuff that he drew when he was you know in his 20s i think that that's to know your (laughs) know your own ass like that you know what i mean to like figure out where you are and what you want to do is pretty cool to grow up become a mature adult and draw some superheroes i get it yeah yeah that's that's it But but you have the reputation to be able to explore different directions and have your fans follow you wherever you want to go that's kind of nice yeah yeah Fewer fans than ping pong. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. You want to draw? You want to do a sports manga and have it be the biggest thing in Japan? And the movie actually was huge, huge in Japan, like so big that it got an English release, which is itself crazy. Yeah, like he was he was on top of the world there for a while, and now he just wants to make comics that are interesting to him about like sad manga editors who quit their jobs and like historical dramas. And that's kind of I'm down. I'm there for it. He's just a creator. I <laughs> yeah. want to read everything he does forever. Those are my favorite stories where someone has a massive success and then just has this money and the freedom and just goes, oh, I'll just do whatever I want now. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Just like you are now, Chip. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't get Bruce Wayne's billions. Those are actually fictional. Yeah, yeah. I like to see what you do after the Batman billions. Are, are, <laughs> you get a cash out check. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll go do Spider-Man. I don't know. <laughs> Well, in the spirit of Ping Pong Volume 2, I need you to do an episode of Batman that is literally just like one 25-second fight sequence, because there are whole chapters of Ping Pong Volume 2 that are like 20 seconds of Ping Pong that go for 30 pages. Love it. It's breathtaking. Anyway, this has been an episode of Monk Splating where we talked about Ping Pong. After the break, we will pick new books. We're looking forward to it. Stay tuned.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And we're back. And if this airs when it's supposed to, you probably just listened to me doing an ad read. And here I am again. Sorry about that. It'll be less annoying when it's someone else hosting. This week, we're choosing new books. And after picking chip's favorite book perhaps read on the podcast and he'll change that when he gets to read akira volume four it's a hoot (laughs) i'm curious to see how we are going to follow this up i did pick on david to start at the beginning of the first segment so i think i will change that and pick on deb to pick the first book of this segment so deb what is your next pick for a book for chip to read it's going to fulfill two things one it's a book that i've talked about a bunch in the past that we've all said, hey, yeah, you should pick it. The other thing it's going to fulfill is Chip mentioned early on, it's like, hey, you know, since these first volumes tend to be not the greatest, what happens if you put us in the middle of a series and we start from there instead? So I'm going to recommend Blue Giant Volume 5 and 6. (laughs) Ah, finally. My favorite jazz manga. It's really wonderful. The reason why I'm starting with volume five and six is because volume, the, the two other omnibus volumes start when the protagonist die, who is getting into jazz and playing saxophone, is in high school. By the time you get to volume five and six, this is when he's graduated from high school, he's moved to Tokyo, and he meets these two other guys in who are like 18, 19, who he forms a jazz trio with. In my opinion, this is when the book really kicks into gear, when you really start seeing them See, Dykes goes from being just like an, you know, an enthusiastic jazz person into someone who really has professional aspirations. And he kind of butts heads with a, a pianist who is very kind of egocentric, but you know, helps him become even better, and a drummer who is brand new. So you kind of see this, this dynamic of these three young men kind of coming into their own as musicians. And then they meet other older musicians who feel jealous, competitive with them, dismiss, are dismissive of them. So I think this is a really fun way to place to start. I learned so much about jazz reading this manga, and I, I loved it so much that the last volume came out in English, volume 9 and 10, this past month, and I bought six volumes of the sequel series in French. 
because <laughs> I wanted to read it so badly. I love it. The wow. art's great. The character is wonderful, and I think you'll really enjoy it. All right, all right. Good. When you said die at first, I didn't realize that was the main character's name. And I was like, yeah. he dies before volume five? That doesn't. Oh, no, but he, he, here's, here's the fun part. In the Blue Giant Supreme, which is the sequel, he goes mm-hmm. to Europe and everyone misunderstands his name. <laughs> like die. Like in, in German, it sounds weird. In English, it yeah. sounds weird. So nice. they're all like, like, what is this bad name? And then you see him like thinking, so like, I'm sorry, dad. I know you didn't mean to give me this problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's, a, that's an interesting. Die, pick, by Dad. the way, and in Japanese means big. So hmm. <laughs> anyway. David, what do you have? So I finally figured out my scheme for recommending books this year. Mm. And Ooh. basically I buy a lot of manga that I kind of put on the shelf and then read like later. And I'm just going to start recommending stuff in my library while I scroll through and find a cover that looks interesting that I haven't read yet. Oh, wow. Well, all right. Because hopefully oh, really? I'm not buying, you know, like trash. But this one, I have a hunch it's going to be very good. I'm going to re- read the the summary for the digital version. Zaha Sanko's body has great and terrible powers. They say that possessing his bones will grant you any wish, even the desire to become the ruler of the universe. But Sanko is still a teenage dude with his own life, and he isn't about to let every monstrous lowlife in the galaxy rip him limb from limb. He and his skeletal buddy, Avakian, will use their dark powers to fend off any murder attempts while they search space for whomever put this curse on Sanko's bones, because killing them might end the madness. And then Sanko can celebrate with his favorite spaghetti. Don't miss this hilariously <laughs> twisted and gruesome new series from the unique mind of Kyu Hayashida, creator of the manga and Netflix anime Doro Hidoro. Oh, Die Dark. Oh, this is called Die Dark. I didn't mean to also recommend a manga with Die in the name. Wow. But this one's the pun on purpose. It's a very gothic kind of... She draws like manga Simon Bisley. Basically. Okay. All right. Mm. And Doro Hidoro was, I don't know, like 20 something volumes of kind of wizards who wear like Converse and use hammers to cast spells and wear like masks and things. Very strange, very like creepy, very up my alley. And this is her all new series. So the, for me, this is kind of like when you discover an artist, fall in love, and then you, they have their next thing. And you're like, is this going to be better or worse? Yeah. And I want to find out as a crew. All right, interesting. And die is spelled D A I D A R K. Okay. Yeah. Wow. You kind of like changed how I want to pick the next <laughs> book, but uh, maybe I'll just go with. So I've got two books, and they're both available in both print and digital that I wanted to do. And I really relate to Deb's struggle that we discussed the off time about which one to recommend. But I think I want to do. I think I want to keep showing Chip new stuff. Because he did say at the end of last season, he wanted to see stuff that he hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. He wanted to like the thrill of the new. And I feel like we kind of have delivered, a, <laughs> we delivered that with Birds of Shangri-La, that's for sure. So I want to deliver something new here. And I actually want to recommend another sports manga, which is Cross Game. I uh, knew you were going to do this, by the way. I almost wrote it down <laughs> before really the episode. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I didn't, I wasn't going to pick it if he didn't actually like ping pong as much as he did, mm. honestly. I was going to pick Solon, and I'll just tell you. Because I think if, Solonin is the best. I was just writing about this. Solonin is maybe the best slice of life manga in English, complete, especially for a short series. I don't think anything else stacks up as high as it. There's other good stuff, obviously, but Solonin is it. But Cross Game is the storytelling in Cross Game is unlike things that you've seen before. And I think it is a shonen manga. It's about baseball. All right. It's about 
it's about sports and it's about whatever. And there's a couple of big twists that are in, integral to the story. The thing I like about Lost Cross Game the most, and the story does carry me through it as well, is how interestingly Adachi tells the stories that he tells. I think that the art is going to look like kind of overly round Rumiko Takahashi at first. But once you really pay attention to the panel transitions and things like that, I think you're going to see something that people just don't do in Western comics at all. And maybe haven't done in a lot of the manga that we've read. There's something about the pacing of this that is really special. This this baseball manga that you think can't be that big of a deal. But it is. And it's quite good. So yeah, Cross Game Volume 1, which is in keeping with my suggestions, technically three volumes put into one album. <laughs> <laughs> Available print and digital. Biz Media, Mitsuru Dachi. That's my pick. All right. Okay. So uh, I've got some thoughts here. I think it's really interesting that Deb picked uh, something that is her favorite Jaws manga, something that is really special to her. And then David picked something just random that he happened to have purchased that he hasn't read yet. <laughs> like how wildly different. <laughs> yeah. I would also be very interested to find out Deb's least favorite Jaws manga. Because I think the phrase, my favorite jazz manga, is also quite funny. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Blue Giant, Volume 5 and 6 first. Because, yeah, I've, I've been interested in it for a while, ever since Deb first mentioned it. And I do really like the idea of joining in at Volume 5. I think that's, that's interesting. So, Deb, your instincts were correct. You win. <laughs> you win my love and admiration for this week. Uh, David, I'm going to put you in number two just because it's just such a ballsy move. <laughs> and also, There's also, precedent. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but still, you also know me well enough that when you said manga Simon Bisley, you knew that was a way <laughs> into my heart. And I almost mentioned Simon Bisley during ping pong. Because there's a drawing of a little girl with a pit bull on the beach that is the most Simon Bisley drawing. Oh, I, well, you know, I mean, obviously we're done talking about ping pong, but I'm going to tell you the page number. <laughs> I got to see this. Page 141. It, it, it's basically a background gag in like a Lobo comic. It's yeah. like, it looks like <laughs> Little Orphan Annie with her dog. Oh, man. It's perfect. <laughs> And it has the word balloon. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God, you're right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just, it's just so funny. There were a few drawings that reminded me of Bisley. But yeah. So that's why you get second place. Chris, you only get third place because I'm not a baseball fan. All right. And th- nice. th- those are my, those are my Fair. judgments. I knew Chris was going to pick cross game because it's kind of the perfect follow-up to this because it has okay. all of the instructional baseball stuff, but then also like a huge emotional payload. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I don't like baseball either, but by the end, I was like, I'm still not going to watch baseball. But baseball can be beautiful. I love, uh, yeah. I'm I'm a huge fan of emotional payload. I'm also a fan of the Birth of Shangri La payloads, but uh, emotional payloads are better. Yeah. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Good to know. Finger guns for that. Well, that's on that note. And assuming that Chip actually does read the book, we will splice him in after the beautiful music by DADS. This has been an episode of Manga Splaining. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We will be back next week with Dick Fight Island. It has finally arrived. <laughs> or rather, we have arrived to We're it. coming to it. Yes. <laughs> See I was going to say, like it was right there. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I'll re-record this. And next, coming next week, Dick Fight Island, we have finally arrived on the island. 
There, place that. There you go. That's for you. <laughs> Just for David. All right. Thanks, everybody. Take care. This has been Manga Explaining, episode number 59, Ping Pong by Taiyo Matsumoto. Thanks for listening. For our next episode, we'll be reading Dick Fight Island by Reibun Ike. Want to pick up a copy? Please consider supporting your local comic and manga specialty shop, and you can find one near you at comicshoplocator.com. Or check out your local library for print and digital lending options. You can also follow along with our complete reading list and show notes at mangasplaining.com. And don't forget to check out our newsletter and publishing endeavor at mangasplainingextra.com. Thanks, as always, to DADS for their musical accompaniment this episode. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.